Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? It's me, Egbert, once again. I'm the new owner of this station. I went out and hired the best talk radio consultant, Jeff Allen from News Talk STL, and told him to hire the worst talent he could find. Jeff did exactly as I told him. Ladies and gentlemen, here are Brad and John. You know, I knew that Jeff Allen had it in for me. I just knew it. Now now I know the truth, right? you got to let Jeff be Jeff. You know the, the author, Brene Brown, Brad? No, who's that? Are you up on her? No. She a lot of uh, women. I, I would say she's uh, an author for women. She she helps women, I think, with the idea of releasing some of their anxieties and worries and stress in this modern society. One of her catchphrases is, "Let you know in your life, let so and so be so and so." So they're gonna, uh, you know, they're, Jeff Allen is gonna Jeff Allen. You got to let Jeff be Jeff. You know. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yesterday, and I will mention this up front, which I thought think this is interesting, and there's an interesting part of this as far as remind me to come back to the Nick Schroer thing. Do I say oh, his yeah. name? Is it Schroer? Yeah, it's Schroer. Schroer, okay. Yesterday he had— And also had... it's McCloskey, not McCluskey. McCluskey, okay. There's no you in Mark McCluskey. Okay. Yesterday uh, on—what's uh, on, uh, his name? Mark Reardon's show. Mark Reardon, the guy who— uh, who, who loves your feedback and cares. <laughs> yes, who won't listen to the show we who did. Who won't take a compliment. Right, who won't take a compliment. I sent him a link on a show we did which complimented the wazoo out of him, and he says he won't listen to it because he won't listen to anybody comment about a show. Okay, whatever. We uh, should circle back on that later. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, he had on Caleb Rowden to talk about the deal with the him taking the positions away from all the, <laughs> the yeah, Freedom right. Caucus members and taking the parking places away. And... Yeah. You know what? Once again, he did the dance. Mark asked him some very pointed questions about, like, isn't this childish? And he was like, well, uh, and he never really answered the, you know, I mean, you know what? He danced around it. Okay. Then he had Nick Schroer on. Now, here's what I find interesting about this. There was a time on 97.1 where Bill Eigel was not allowed in 97.1. Do you know this story? Uh, I don't remember that. I, you've told it, you've told me the story before, but I don't remember. He was banned from ninety seven one because he was on Tracy's station. He was on. Uh, it was. I on... see. So it was effectively if you're going to go over there. Yeah, and and Bill hosted a show on Tracy's station for a while, right? That was the deal. He had a show. Yeah. Well, okay. But, but Nick Schroer is a host on Jeff Allen station and is also an investor. He put money into the place. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. So I'm going like, okay, so if you ban Bill Eigel, shouldn't you ban Nick Schroer? Now, well, maybe if Nick maybe if Nick says enough interesting things, you know, that kind of all is forgiven. You know, and they're talk- I'm thinking to myself, you know, once again, I'm like trying to stand back. <laughs> Matter of fact, once upon a time, there, here, here, the, you've, you've heard 10-foot pole, once upon a time, um, my son and I bought a car, and we bought it, and I won't say what kind of car it is, but it was a very a very desirable car. The only problem was this one wasn't so desirable because it had a ton of miles on it, and it was not in the best of shape. Cosmetically, it wasn't in the best of sh- shape. So It sounds like the women that appear on the Whatever podcast. They got a ton <laughs> of mileage, and they're no longer in the best shape. Who's that, the Whatever podcast? 
Yeah. Not listening to you. Remember uh, the one you just mentioned yeah, in the last yeah, segment? Yeah, but man, that's a comment. Okay. So anyway, we bought this car and we did some work on it and we flipped it and made a little bit of money on it. And the guy who bought it shows up, you know, we had it on, I don't know, Craigslist or something like that, or it was on Facebook Marketplace. And the guy who shows up to buy it, he brings his buddy with him and his buddy categorizes the car as a 10-footer. The idea being is that when you stand back 10 foot, looks pretty good, but then when you get up close on it, you see, oh, there's a scratch here. Oh, there's a little mm, bit of dent here. I that see. kind of thing. You know, in other words, it's not a pristine car. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, upon, upon further examination of right. daylight. It's a 10 footer. Okay. So sometimes I think I'm too close to these things, but if I stand, stand back 10 foot, I think to myself, what a bunch of babies. You know, I mean, both sides of the equation. What a bunch of babies. You know, you, you're you not doing what we want you to do, so we're going to take your parking space away from you. Okay, whatever. I, I think what's interesting to that, so, by the way, our friend Camelia Peterson yesterday on Twitter, maybe it was the, the previous night, she opined that by taking the parking spots away, it was a, Caleb Browden was a little bit seeding the moral high ground there. And if he had just taken what I'm reading in the Camellia suite, and it's what I think too, if you had simply stripped the members of their of their committee chairmanships, that's one thing. And you know, to his now his to his credit, I will defend Caleb Brown on this. He was on Scott's show yesterday at one o'clock, and I think so. The way that the time lines up, he would have done Reardon's show afterward. But but Scott asked him. He said, "Wasn't the parking spot thing kind of punitive?" And Caleb said, yeah, it was punitive. And Caleb's point was it can be punitive and be the right thing to do. And Caleb used the example – I think he used the example of you know, like if, if, if you're dealing with children. Like there are things that you could do that could be punitive but could also be the right thing to do. And well, if he didn't use children as an example, then, that, then that's my mistake or I'm reading too much into it. I guess my whole thing is that it, the whole thing shows in a broader picture, it shows privilege. The idea being that they have preferred parking spaces. And once gotcha. again, once again, to me, it's like, it's like, okay, you know, see, there's a certain, there's a certain mindset. I've seen this with people that I know who were average Joes and then it got elected to an office. It's sort of like, how do I tell this story? It's sort of like the classic story that a guy by the name of Pastor Ron Simmons, and I hope Ron Simmons is still alive and doing well, but I used to do the morning show uh, We back in the day when I was working at the old KSLQ. We, mandatorily, we worked six days a week, and we had to work one weekend shift. And the shift that nobody wanted was Sunday morning and 9 to noon. Now, the reason I took it was, A, uh, the regular shifts, we were working four-hour shifts at the time, four-hour shifts, but the Sunday morning shift was a three-hour shift. It was nine to noon because between seven and nine, we had Pastor Ron Simmons who'd come in and play you know, Christian music and stuff like that. But nobody wanted to work that Sunday morning shift because they're too hungover from, from the, right. you know, the night before. And, to and me, that's it was, their court day off. Everybody oh, knows you don't work on Right, Sunday. and I work Sunday, no big deal. Okay, So I used to come in early because I love talking to Ron Simmons. And I sit in the, the control room when he was on the air, and he, sometimes he'd have a couple of parishioners in there with him, and and we talk religion and stuff like that. And Ron told me the 3G story. I think I told this one time before, didn't I? Didn't I ever tell you the 3G? Uh, no, but uh, I could guess what some of the Gs are, but go ahead. Okay, the the setup to the story was, I used to live in the apartments a long time ago, Page and, and at the end of Page, which is now, you know, Page doesn't end anymore, but uh, it used to be right, Page and was at Bennington, I guess it was, and I used to live in West Point apartments. And it's funny because you talk about, there's an interesting thing in St. Louis is that if you ask people what high school you went to, um, 
I can ask people what apartment complexes they lived in. Almost everybody lived in this apartment complex at one point in time in their life. So I lived out there, and I was in that Maryland Heights area. I think this was pre, actually pre-Maryland Heights. It was still like unincorporated county. That shows how old this is. So there was a place on 270, which turned into, ultimately was bought by Maryland Heights as their community center. And it was this, at the time, it was like a farm uh, like a you know what like a pole barn is if i said a pole barn you know what a pole yeah. barn is mm-hmm. okay it's like an equipment shed and yeah. it's some minister bought it and he called it the sheep shed the idea being that your sheep the parishioners are sheep and they're going to the yeah. shed okay? okay and it got to be very 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 popular church and to the point where it grew and grew and grew and then they they outgrew their shed and they built this building which ultimately became the maryland heights community center before they knocked it down they built the new one so uh the old maryland heights community center was the was the second generation sheep shed and it grew and to the point where there were traffic issues where you know it was you had to go back and sort of a residential area to go back to where this is it's right on 270 but it's back in a residential area how you get back to it and the residents complained that people were parking in their driveways and blah 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 stuff like that so and on Wednesday night, they had a big thing in the parking lot. And I, you'd go by it on 270, you'd see everybody parked everywhere all the time. And all of a sudden, one Wednesday, I drive by, nobody there. Mm-hmm. And and then one one Sunday, you know, they had like a, several services on on Sunday. And one of them was like at 1 o'clock. And I drove drive by there after I get off the air. And nobody in the parking lot. There's like a handful of cars. So a couple weeks later, I'm in, you know, showing up for my, my morning shift on uh, on Sunday morning, and I'm sitting in the studio with Ron. I go, Ron, what happened with the sheep shed? And Ron looks at me, and he says, can I tell you a story? And I go, yeah, go ahead. And he says, when I was in divinity school learning to be a pastor, He's, you know, he had he had one of those southern. He he sort of talked like the guy on on The Simpsons. You know who you know who I'm talking about? Who's the, yeah, yeah. Who's the Reverend? Whatever his name is. The drawl. Yeah. Right, right. He has that. He has that syncopated kind of talk where he sort of talks like that. And 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 Ron says, we took this ethics class, and they taught us about the three G's. And the the minister teaching the ethics class said that when you get your your own you know your own church. And things start to go well, and people are getting into your sermons, and they're going like, wow, we really like this, Pastor, that you get the first G, which is glory, because of the fact mm, that you're like, you're like, wow, these people love me. I'm like walking on water, almost walking on water. And then as the church becomes more famous... And people, you know, people, you know, more and more people show up, and more and more people put more and more money into the collection plate, you get the second G which is gold. And mm. he says most churches, most pastors will essentially live at that second G level and never progress to the third G level. And I go, so what's the third G level? And he says, gals. <laughs> I, go, I go, so explain that to me. I think I know. He says, well, that's what happened at the sheep shed. The guy started out with a very small congregation, and it's you know, and, his, and he was a very charismatic, charismatic uh, preacher, and he got a following, and more people, you know, word of mouth, and it grew and grew and grew, and as it grew and grew and grew, they made more and more money, and they built a bigger building and a bigger building, and then a couple women became enamored with Pastor whatever his name was, let's call him Pastor Sheepshed, and they were like, you know, getting shall we say a little bit too close to the pastor. And, yeah. he, and he got the G, the 3G, and the word got around that he had the gals, and the church collapsed. Wow. So, so the story being that 
And you see it with politicians. Of you course. S- you you see it with politicians right. that, you know, and some of these guys are like, for example, okay, Dr. Page, okay, mm-hmm. who's county, St. Louis County Executive, okay? I know doctors that used to be in practice with him. And you know what the interesting thing was? One of the doctors said to me about him, they said that when they had meetings, when they had meetings talking about their practice and that he could never make up his mind. He was never, he wasn't, he wasn't a decision maker that the other doctors in the practice had to say, well, let's do this. And he was like, well, I don't know. And I'm going like, okay, this is our county executive. By, by, By the term executive, that means he's making executive decisions, which essentially is like, you know, like, like if you're the president, you're going like, okay, let's go to, we're going to go bomb Iran. Okay. That's an executive decision. Okay. That kind of a thing. Anyway. That's so what, what you're saying is that, or, so you're saying that the downside of having somebody like that is that they would, and this was the criticism of, I think it was Bill Clinton. Uh, yeah, George Stephanopoulos said one of the downsides of Bill Clinton, other than being intellectually curious and wanting to do deep dives on everything, was that one of Clinton's weaknesses is that if you were the last person to talk to him about a decision, you'd probably get your way. So what you're saying is if you have someone who's likely to vacillate or excessively build consensus, that's not what you want in an executive. You're, you have more of an administrator and less of an well, executive. No, I, not necessarily so. I think a good executive listens to the input of all his people. And essentially, let's say if he's got 10 advisors and six of them say one thing and four of them say the other thing, you know, he may listen, listen to those four people and say, you know what, I think you guys are right. We're going to go that way. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. I see what you're saying. I, I don't necessarily think that it's it's to the point where, like you said, that, that Clinton was accused of the last person that, that you know spoke in the meeting was where he went with i mean i mean to me that's see that you know you 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 hear about and you've probably maybe you've maybe you worked in your career or something like that i worked with some incredibly talented you know program directors who i work for and then i worked for some incredibly horrible people and matter of fact one of them was pig vomit and you know and the crazy mm-hmm, part of this right. is i you know if you know who howard stern is and and, and he talks about if you watch his movie and he talks he still to this today talks about pig vomit <laughs> i worked for pig vomit his name was with kevin matheny he was my program director and he left ksoq in, in st louis to go to wnbc in new york where, where stern was at the time and he was a horrible person I mean, just absolutely positively horrible person. But if you, but if he hadn't gotten so tired of you, Brad, Howard Stern would have never enjoyed getting to work with him. You know, the crazy thing is when, when uh, Kevin came into town, he fired the entire staff except for me. And it was sort of weird because him and I had a very strange relationship because of the fact that, that he respected me, but he didn't. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it you was mean cool. he respected, I don't, under, I don't get it, but I think I, maybe you're saying he respected the work that you did, but he chose to be awful to you anyway. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah, that, that's probably a really but because good. Because he clearly, if he didn't want you around, he could have fired you day one. Well, yes, right, right. And, and I think you're, I think, I think you're probably correct in what you said is that I, I worked hard for the guy. I worked hard for everybody I worked for. I don't want to And you demonstrated competence and you were good at what you did, but he was still terrible to you. Well, he was terrible to everybody, but at least he, he didn't fire me. And matter of fact, I ended up quitting over an incident where he was absolutely positively horrible to a woman on the air. I mean, one of our air staff. I mean, just, I, if I tell the story sometime, I've told the story to people. People go, OMG, you know? I mean, and talk about, 
here's a guy that back in the day, if we had the the uh, the OWE, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, you know the, w- the women and minority. Uh, oh, the National Organization of Gals, the NAG. No, 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 no. What's what's oh. the thing? What the thing that they called it? Um, um, you know, women-owned businesses. No, 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 no. The term that got to be popular with the women. You know that everybody's going like, "Oh, he sexually harassed me." What? Oh, uh, the the Me Too and the yeah, the Me Too movement. The Me, yeah, me Too. If right. the Me if the Me Too movement have been around when Kevin Matheny was in his heyday as a program director, he would never work in the radio business again. Yeah, he would be canceled, as they say. Oh my God, he was. It was. I mean, talk about sexual harassment. I mean, sexual harassment to the point where, where I mean, and there was, a, there were, a, I can mention the name of another guy who retired from St. Louis Radio, who, you know, everybody would know if I mentioned the name, that his favorite trick was, we had a very attractive receptionist who had, shall we say, a nice upper torso, would that be a nice way of saying you that? You mean her collarbone. Yeah, her collarbone. I'm a collarbone guy, too. And Go this ahead. particular guy would sneak up behind her and come up behind her and grab her boobs from behind. Okay? Oh. All the time. I mean, this was like 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 almost like sometimes a daily occurrence. And she would always go, Well, stop that. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, God, nowadays the guy would have been in jail. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. I mean for sure. and and once again, I I never approved of that. At one point in time, and I knew the woman who was the receptionist, and her and I were friends. At one point in time, I confronted him. I said, you know what? I want to sound like I'm like Mr. Great Guy or anything like that, but honest to God, this happened. And I said, you know what? That's not really right what you're doing to her. And I go, yeah. well, well, she doesn't mind it. I go, how do you know she doesn't <laughs> mind it? Be- maybe he asked her, and maybe, maybe they had some sort of a relationship. I don't, Brad, know. You don't know. I mean, it's the whole thing sort of weird. Okay, this show's going in a weird direction. Next, next segment. I had something very weird happen to me last night. Do you want me to tell this crazy weird story? Absolutely, of course. Which I did. Involved, Let's tell it after the break. Which involved me ending up on a call, on a nine one one call to the police. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. A nine one one call that lasted about fifteen minutes. Well, we're, you're here with us now, so we know that there was at least a positive resolution. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, yesterday, wasn't it like we lived in London yesterday with the fog all day long? It's like, oh. It was incredible. <laughs> it's yeah, like... and, and, and good luck explaining the difference between fog and clouds and rain to a child. Right. At a certain point in my discussion, I said, you know, I'm really going to have to look that up. I don't have all the answers to this. Hey, well, good, good luck explaining that to somebody who lives in Jefferson County. <laughs> oh, yeah. did I say that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Jefferson County's got a lot of nice people in it. It's 741. If you're near retirement or think... Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of The Brad and John Show. Can you handle it?